Welcome, Rinkrats, to Season 3, Episode 22 of the Dash Rink.com's Blackhawks Rinkcast, live from the COVID-19 studios in the quarantine bubble. Today is Thursday, July 30th, 2020, and I'm your host, Jeff Osborne, infamous, infamously known on the Twitters as Puckin' Hostel. My name is Jeff. It's Hefe, man. And without further ado, I'm joined by my co-host and partner of crime, Mr. John Jekyll. Hello, John. What's happening? What's going on, man? Do you hear me? Uh, same old shit, different day. <laughs> cool. <laughs> I think everybody cool. can relate to that. <laughs> and uh, dropping the hair quotient on this podcast, as I mentioned in the free chat, we have uh, Mr. Ray Napiantek, uh, our writer, our uh, Chicago Steel writer, and he writes for, about the Blackhawks. And you uh, also do your other hockey work over at, what is it, FC Hockey? FC Hockey, yep, doing some yep. uh, some work for them as well. Yep. Cool. So Absolutely. this guy knows the stuff, which is why we've been trying to get we've been trying to get you on uh, some of these this summer, but the time the timing didn't schedule or the timing and schedule didn't just didn't work. I blame so, work. Uh, yeah. Yep. I think we're all blaming work <laughs> right now. Blame COVID too, but yeah. <clears throat> so, um, but anyway. Um, we're brought to you by puckhockey.com. That's P-U-C-K-H-D-K-Y.com. Like the hot hat that John's wearing right there. I am not wearing my puck hockey gear only because I'm wearing my friend, John Holubiak, uh, lost his brother. Yeah. Uh, unfortunately, I don't want to bring everybody down. Uh, unfortunately, lost his brother uh, just last week. Uh, he was only 37 years old, and uh, he's a former teammate of mine. Play, we played a lot of uh, roller hockey, inline hockey together. And uh, John was John and his brother were both teammates of mine. And uh, it was very unfortunate that it happened. Uh, so a friend of ours, former teammate, put these Halubiak, these Mike Halubiak T-shirts together. So that's why I'm showing my support for my friend, John. Nice. Uh, and uh, yeah, but puckhockey.com also, you will hear the commercial as well a little later in the show, or at least on the podcast side, you will hear the commercial I threw together. And uh, that tells you all the cool stuff that they have over at puckhockey.com. So, uh, otherwise, um, Hey, it's Blackhawks, uh, Blackhawks has started the NHL's running, uh, several uh, games per night. Um, the Blackhawks played last night against the blues. Let's, uh, let's start off and just talk about the, the hockey in general, the, the NHL, the, in the bubble. What are your opinions? Uh, John, you, you could start off. Um, Wow. I, you know, I've, I've been very um, skeptical of the league's ability to pull this off um, in, uh, in, in the context of a uh, pandemic, but so far so good. Um, and uh, I am kind of, I am, I am actually, I have to say, I have to admit some cautious optimism about the games um, and looking forward to, uh, to seeing a little hockey again and playoff hockey, no less, or I guess play in hockey. Um, which, you know, again, I'm a purist, you know, I'm old school about stuff. So I, 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 I'm naturally a little skeptical about this, but, um, I'm interested, you know, I'm, like we talked about the last show. I mean, I think it's a great learning experience for some of the, uh, the brighter lights of, the uh, Hawks, uh, future, you know, Kubelik, uh, Bokvist, um, Kirby doc, those types of guys. Um, so that's all kind of exciting. I, uh, well, I know we're going to, we're going to talk about the series and break it down later. So I'm not going to get into that. So, yeah, I mean, so far so good on the bubble. 
I really hope we don't have anything happen um, uh, a la uh, Major League Baseball. Um, you know, if you really look at it, um, it shouldn't be that way. Um, there's a lot of different factors and variables in the hockey bubble versus MLB. So um, let's keep our fingers crossed and see what happens with this thing. Yeah, Ray, what do you think? It's been great. I'm shocked. Uh, you know, back when it first started in, in March, April, you know, you kind of thought like, man, how are they going to put this together and, you know, to come up with the thought process of a bubble and getting everybody there and, you know, keeping everybody healthy. We saw the numbers that came out, you know, the other day with, you know, the, the testing and it's been incredible, you know, just the, the thought process that's really gone into it. I, I can imagine what, what these meetings were like to get this done, but I've been impressed. That's for sure. Cause I, I didn't think there was going to be hockey. Yeah. I mean, we're still skeptical for sure that, you know, this can run for more than three days. Mm -hmm. And, uh, but for right now, I mean, they, they have some things that are going for them. And I kind of joked about it on Twitter, which is like the best thing any sport could have done was get the hell out of the United States. Yeah. Like they went to Canada. That was the smartest thing they could have done. Canada. It's more controlled there. Literally every sport should just play out outside the United States for the rest of the year. And I'm not even joking around. I'm not screwing around with the way it's going you know, it's going up, it's going down, it's going up, it's going down. People aren't, you know, taking it seriously. Like screw you just go out of the country and go somewhere else where it's controlled and you, and you have a little bit better chance of, of this succeeding. Instead, you're like the NBA who runs down to Florida where it's the worst and you know baseball still traveling around the country and now we've seen how that's turned out uh it those those just seem like they're doomed to fail and i you know oddly enough and shockingly to everybody the nhl looks like they could you know get most of this you know done if yeah. everything keeps going as it's going i mean they could yep. someone could raise the cup yeah yep um, you know, I've I've been to Edmonton three times, and it is quite literally the most remote, geographically remote market in the NHL. I mean, and it it's hard to get there, even if you want to go there. You know, um, yeah. so and uh, on the other note about there will be hockey. Um, having seen the Blackhawks' defensive depth chart, I, I think it's still uh, quite permissible to have skepticism over there will be actual hockey, <laughs> what we call NHL hockey. Well, but, there will uh, be hockey. It happens, you know. There'll right. be hockey. We don't know about from the Blackhawks, but there will be hockey. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's a whole nother subject altogether, but you know, I, um, you can see behind me, I got the rendering of the, you know, what it's like in, in Edmonton. And I kind of mentioned, it's kind of like a WWE feel to it. And I kind of like it. The, other, the one thing that, that I kind of questioned yesterday and not many people are going to feel my pain on this one, but as a goalie, why didn't they make the covers for the seats white? Like the puck, when it goes above the dasher board, can be lost in dark backgrounds. I've had it happen to me. I'm sure goalies have had it happen to them. You know, you just lose it for a fraction of a second. You have the option this time. You don't have to worry about fans being in the seats and having different color stuff on. You could make it standardized. You can control for the first time ever. You can control what's going on back there. That was my only, my only, you know, question about why they didn't do a thing the, the way they did. Or, you know, I just think that they should have made the, the seats or at least the behind the goalies white. Um, but other than that, uh, I think they're doing a good job. I like the, you know, the in rink, uh, you know, the, the video screens that change for each game. That's kind of cool. Mm -hmm. uh, I don't know if I'm into the whole fake 
uh, goal horn. I didn't even realize it yesterday until Kirby Docs was it Doc that scored someone late in the game. And I was like, wait a minute, that's that's the Hawks goal horn. So they're playing it and it's not it doesn't seem as loud. It just seems muffled. I don't know. I'm I'm not into the fake crowd. Like, just let them be what they're going to be. If it's going to be quiet, let it be quiet. And, uh, you know, I, I, I don't miss the fans. I honestly don't miss the fans at all. I, I don't miss a lot of Hawks fans. <laughs> yeah, well. You you know who you are. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. The the whole, uh, uh, yeah, the, the, the Crawford crowd, the, uh, you know, the Dylan Sakura crowd. <laughs> It'd be nice to hear a little bit more of the game with the referees and, and stuff like that and the players, but that would probably end up being a cable TV or a pay-per-view type thing. Uh, just to hear a little bit more of that access, but that, that's tough to do live. Uh, I know it's did just you hear, goal horns and stuff. Did you hear that uh, the microphones on some of the referees, when they were broadcasting, broadcast the audio backwards? Lovely. It was just like when the when the ref would go over to the penalty box and you flip his mic on. It was actually playing the audio backwards, but while the rest of the audio was forward, I don't know what was going on. Was, that's some kind of, I mean, I'm a technical guy, but I'm not an audio engineer, so... It's like okay. uh, Gary Bettman doesn't know what's going on either. So yeah, that was that was pretty funny. Up. It was comical, but I mean, at this point, the NHL is the least comical sport out of all of them, which is that's a win for hockey, you know, and fans. That's something. <laughs> yeah. So I mean, I, I guess we'll see. We'll see what happens. We'll just take it day by day at this point, uh, you know, and. The first time we start seeing some positive tests, then we'll wonder what's going to happen. They're going to start canceling things and they're not going to be able to postpone stuff like, like they're doing in baseball where they're just, you know, right. postpone a week and right. move it to the end of the season or do extra double headers or something like that. Right. They don't have the luxury of being able to do that. So, they got to stay on schedule. Yeah. I yeah. Mean. Yeah. The schedule is that tight, yeah. but I was also mentioning too, to somebody the other day, I'm like, at this point, can you really be that critical of the NHL? In two weeks, they've got 24 teams, 31 guys per team, plus, you know, staff, plus all this stuff, logistically scheduled, traveled to two cities in Canada, going over borders and getting the arena set up and getting the bubble situation set up. Like they did a lot of work in a handful of weeks, like two, three weeks. You mm -hmm. can't really, I mean, you can't really nitpick them at this point in time. They're, I think they're doing a pretty decent job to be honest with you, with everything that's going on. And I, it, as much as it pains me to say that, I think they've done okay. Mm -hmm. Agreed. So, Agreed. Absolutely, 100%. I have a hard time getting people ready for school, let alone 24 teams. I feel you. I feel you, right? Being out of bed. I know. <laughs> I can't get my kid. My kids sleep until like 2 in the afternoon now. Oh, Which is fine by me, because that means peace around the house. So, at least for me. Let's talk for a second about our founding sponsors, PuckHockey.com. That's P-U-C-K-H-C-K-Y.com. You've probably heard John and I talk about the Rink's Puck Hockey line of merch, but you might not know the amount of high-quality stuff they have to offer. These aren't just cheap t-shirts with a weak logo slapped on them. They're high-quality shirts, flannels, hats, sweatshirts, hoodies, shorts, and their hockey sweater collaborations are unparalleled. They also have masks, backpacks, stickers, and posters as well. This is your one-stop shop for the best hockey and music collaborative apparel lines. 
The Puck Hockey collaborations aren't just with heavy metal bands either. They have really cool lines with Snoop Dogg and a couple of popular hockey documentaries you might have seen or heard of, Ice Guardians and Making Coco, the Grant Fuhrer story. If you're interested in the heavy metal line like I am, they have an extensive roster of popular thrash and heavy metal bands. Just listen to this list of legendary groups. Anthrax, Exodus, Lamb of God, Meshuggah, Opeth, Overkill, Testament, Cannibal Corpse, and many more. Even their exclusive line of puck hockey stuff is really cool with the new hockey pentagram logo and their shoot pucks, not people line. Not only are they founding sponsors of ours, but we have been fans and customers of their stuff for years prior to them joining the rink's list of partners. Puck hockey continues to step up their game and bring in more big names all the time. So support thedashrink.com by heading over to www.puckhockey.com. That's P-U-C-K-H-C-K-Y.com. Fill up your cart with some high-quality gear and use the discount code THERINK, T-H-E-R-I-N-K, at checkout for 10% off of all of your orders. Make sure to follow them on social media because they do run 15 and 20% off specials as well. If you use that instead, send our friends Matt and Amy a message in the comments section and tell them that Gate and JJ over at thedashrink.com sent you. Maybe even throw in a rink t-shirt and hat to go along with your order. You get free shipping with orders over $100 and they'll throw in free goodies too. What's not to love? Remember, that's P-U-C-K-H-C-K-Y.com and discount code the rink. Oh man, let's go. Well, oh, camp wrapped up. Um, and to everybody's shock and dismay, well, not dismay, but to everybody's shock, Corey Crawford showed up for the last day of camp after they, you know, they had to do their cryptic, not unfit to play, which is mandatory for the NHL. That's something that I don't think a lot of people caught on to was that anything, any injury, anything is going to be called unfit to play. That's just the way it's going to be. So uh, they said he was unfit to play. And I, we kind of mentioned last time that like that can only mean a, a couple of things. One, he's injured. Actually, originally it could have been, he could have opted out, but then he wasn't on the opt out list. One, he could have been injured Two, He could have been, uh, you know, in the dark room, he could have been having concussion, uh, yep. you know, symptoms or yep. he has COVID. That's it. Those are like the three choices. And actually COVID actually was the most reasonable based on him not showing up and, and all that stuff. And here it was, you know, he had COVID. He admits he had COVID. He said he had symptoms early on. He actually quarantined longer. He said quarantined longer than, uh, than was required just to be safe, which is, you know, and from what he said, he was still staying, he was staying in a separate bedroom in the house, but in the same house as his brand new baby, which I thought was kind of, uh, I don't think enough people actually really brought that up or said anything about it. Uh, but it looks like, you know, he made it through and he was feeling better. He came and he played in the, the last scrimmage they did before they were going to travel and didn't look all that great. Contrary to what I saw some meathead saying on the internet that he looks real sharp and he looks like he's right on his game. And he gave up two goals to, to two mid-level AHL guys and Brent Seabrook, who's working on half a hip. So in, in half of a, a scrimmage, which is, to me is not looking sharp. Um, then um, we'll talk about yesterday's game in a little bit, but that's the way I kind of felt about that. Um, Ray, what do you think about the, 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 uh, the Crawford thing. Uh, what are your opinions on this? 
Yeah, I mean, obviously, we're glad he's he's doing well. And, you know, for him to say that, you know, that happened to him and then come back. I mean, I just think he's getting his feet on her by then, you know, happy to be back on the ice. And, and you know, I'm not too worried about a scrimmage and stuff like that. Uh, but, you know, man, it's I couldn't even imagine that. You know, you, you talk about some of these these athletes that, you know, are, you're knocked on your butt for, you know, a couple of days and stuff like that. And you said he's in quarantine a little bit longer and, you know, the mind that gets racing and stuff like that. Like at some point you just got to be like, phew, I'm back on the ice. So I mean, it's good to have him out there. I mean, it, it, the only way the Hawks can win is if Corey Crawford's playing well in net. Uh, but yeah, to, to get too worried about a, a scrimmage or anything like that, even if he would have been a little shaky yesterday, you know, but uh, you know, it's good to have him back on the ice because they, they need him. I'm glad he's healthy. That's for sure. Just from a human standpoint. And it leaves, it leaves out that excuse uh, when uh, they go out in three or four games that, uh, well, we did have a goalie anyway. Uh, John, what do you think? I'm kind of torn uh, because I, I am of the belief that, um, you know, if the Hawks get to the second round, which I, again, when we get into the particulars of the series, I, can lay out how I think it's going to go, but I, I, um, but if they get there, you know, all they, all they really effectively have done is, you know, eliminate any chance of getting the first overall pick. And I would argue that they need that first overall pick um, more than they need um, some extra, you know, revenue if uh, as such, such as it's set up in, in this uh, situation, they don't have any home games. So I'm not sure how it's working, but um, I, you know, the, I think I truly believe the value of this is to expose some of these younger guys to playoff hockey um, and, and gain that experience and, and have them learn from this. Cause I think there, there are going to be mistakes made in these games by some of these guys. But, you know, the, the opportunity for them to, to bring us in and break it down and learn from it. And um, I, unfortunately I feel like, you know, Crawford will, if Crawford plays well, which remains to be seen, but you know, if he does play well, um, in a way it's good because I think losing seven to one games with Malcolm Subban in that kind of, kind of, uh, undermines the learning experience for the younger guys. It just becomes demoralizing. But so Crawford being in there in more competitive games, I think is good for as far as that goes. Um, but I, I also feel like this is an organization that is looking for validation of what it's been doing over the last five years. And they're desperate to have success in these playoffs. I think on that basis, and quite honestly, I don't want them to have that, that validation because I, I feel like what they've been doing over the last few years is garbage and they need a new start. So on that, and I won't reopen that can of worms. We, we do that every show, but um, I just, so I'm conflicted about Crawford being there. I, like Ray said, I'm really happy for him as a person. After all he's been through and the way he's battled back. You know, the other side of it too is I really hope that they didn't rush him back from this COVID thing because quite honestly, um, there are cases where people will have it and then test negative and antibodies and whatnot, and then they get symptoms again, and it goes on for months. And uh, that's that's not necessarily good for him, and it may not be good for other players in the team too. So you know, they don't, they just don't know enough about COVID at this point to say anyone is totally safe. And I know there are people out there who think otherwise, but you know, there's, there's ample evidence that, that says that they're, they just don't know enough about it yet. So um, we'll see. Well, like I said, I was saying yesterday on Twitter that uh, uh, my beer league started up again and uh, it started up and they they got all these new rules and all this stuff. And I really, I, I kind of, 
debated. Go, you know, I went back and forth about it, whether I wanted to or not. And I didn't like the way the rules were set up. It was kind of kind of hokey. It was kind of like, uh, you know, uh, it was kind of like playing rad hockey or whatever. And I'm like, yeah, I don't think I'm ready to just play rad hockey just yet. So I kind of was like, I, I told my team that like, listen, uh, I'll sit out this one and the next one comes around. We'll go all in because they're not keeping stats. It's just like, it basically really is uh, rad hockey. And come to find out, uh, you know, I played the first week because they needed a fill-in goalie. But now they've played three weeks since. Or, and uh turns out one of the players on my team tested positive. And, mm. you know, it may they may or may not have been exposed. Um, but that chance is something I didn't want to bring home to my kids and my wife who, you know, have, uh, you know, bronchial issues. Uh, and that could really cause problems for them. So it's like, you know, this, the same could be for him with his new kid, you know? Yeah. Right. So I don't know. It's, it, it's, it's tough. Um, but you know, I'm glad he's back. Sure. Um, the thing that surprised me is like yesterday he looked okay. Uh, I'm not gonna say it looked great. Cause he, he only saw a handful of shots, but, um, you know, he looked pretty good yesterday. And in a game uh, against a team that's supposed to be pretty good, allegedly, they weren't very good yesterday. Uh, but you know, playing good for him. I... No, go ahead, Ray. Playing not to get hurt. <laughs> yeah, get your skates yeah. on. Yep. Yeah, I mean, the the Blues really went easy on him uh, when they could have really turned it on. But uh, you know, good, good for him. Uh, the, the this is strangely similar to when he came back just miraculously out of nowhere from his concussion syndrome, you know, uh, remember he was out for like 12 months or nine months. And then all of a sudden he just shows up to practice one day and like three days later, he actually practiced a little longer than that, but basically he practiced for like a week on regular season practices, not training camp practices. Just, you know, basically going out there, getting warmed up, seeing a handful of shots, running a couple drills, and then they threw him right back in net. And he didn't seem to miss a beat, which was a shock to all of us. I know it was to me uh, because I took three months off of my beer league and I went out there and I felt like I hadn't skated ever in my life. Uh, so I can't imagine what, you know, playing at a pro level and then, you know, being quarantined, having a baby, all that stuff and then having to go out and play against NHL players. Well, I, I got a feeling that we're going to find out just how ready Crawford is um, Saturday. I mean, um, I think he's going to see a lot of pucks, and he's going to see a lot early. I think the Hawks' best chance to make this competitive series, um, much less win it, is going to be to take the first game. Um, and I got I, I believe Edmonton is coming out loaded for bear. Um, Zach Cashin is going to be lighting up anybody who doesn't have their head up. And, uh, you know, yeah, you like Eric get, Gustafson. You know, I, oh, yeah. If I'm, yeah, if I'm Nailed Adam Boakless, if I'm Adam Boakless, I t- I'm taking notes on that. And I got my head up and on a swivel because, um, Cashin's going to be zeroed in on some guys and he, he could make some mistakes too, you know? So, yeah. um, you just got to see, I mean, you can't, you can't ever, you know, count out a team that's got Taze and Kane and, and uh, you know, um, Dominic Kubelik is hotter than blue blazes. And um, so we'll see. I mean, it, it could be interesting, but I have, I have a feeling that the, that the Hawks don't come hundred percent ready and charged up and really, really aware. 
um, and on top of their game, it could get it could get ugly early, in my opinion. Yeah, how about uh, watching that Calgary uh, Edmonton game and uh, our old friend Eric Gustafson uh, showing his true form. <laughs> First, he he was he right in the middle of that first goal, standing around just watching, and then he sk- slides skate first into his goalie, which that's not safe. Nice. And uh, then later on, Zach Keshin, he actually Gustafson had his head up, so I don't even know how that happened. That Keshin crushed him with his head up, and and then he, he gets his helmet knocked off and doesn't pick the helmet and put it put it back on, so he gets a penalty on top of it. Not only does he get crushed. But he actually takes a penalty on top of it. Oh God, it's so fun to watch Eric Gustafson and someone else's team for once. Oh, it's it's priceless. It really is. He's he's like the comedic gift that keeps on giving, and it just it's so much funnier now because he's on our team. Yeah, oh. it, it's so fun when it's somebody else when he's somebody else's problem. And I, I you know, anybody from uh, the Calgary fan base who was gloating over their acquisition of Gustafson, how you like him now? <laughs> I think they saw enough Chicago tweets to uh, to realize that Gustafson wasn't all that good. I, I, I was listening when I was listening to the broadcast. Um, I, I the announcers actually had to point out Eric Gustafson, who actually scored sixty points like a couple of years ago, like had to ver- verify that he was an actual decent NHL defenseman at one point in time. I don't know. Anyway, um, so. Brett Seabrook, the whole that whole side is over for at least right now, at least the, the rest the remainder of this season. Uh, he he was in camp. We didn't know if he was going to be thrown out there, which honestly, it's better for the Blackhawks if he's not out there. Yeah. Uh, he's he's slow. He's not up to speed. He's older. Like he's really no better than like a sixth defenseman right now. They could use him for you know the locker room stuff. I know locker room leader and all that but um out on the ice he wouldn't be doing him any any favors like they they would be better off just putting him in a suit and making him an assistant coach if they want a locker room leader Uh, so what did you guys think about the comments that you know especially that story that came out about all of the stuff he's been through and the injuries he's been through did it not kind of seem to you guys like it did to me and some other people i talked to that it was all yeah they were sort of beginning to write that last chapter and, and, you know, Brent's gonna, gonna write off into the sunset somehow. No disrespect to him. The guy's been an absolute warrior and uh, you know, coming back after bilateral hip surgery, you, you have to salute him for that um, or trying to anyway. But uh, you know, it sounds, it's just sounding more and more to to me, like it's kind of, he's nearing the end of the line. What do you guys think? Go ahead, Ray. Yeah, it sounded that way. I mean, it had that feel to it, uh, almost like, a, you know, game 82, it was over. And then, you know, hey, you're saying your goodbyes to him. But, you know, as a hockey player, I, I could see him trying to give it a, another shot. You know, I mean, it, sometimes that's just hard to take out of a out of a pro pro athlete. Uh, you know, sometimes, you know, it's maybe it's that general manager saying, hey, listen, you know, <laughs> we've got to go in a different direction. You have that that's a tough conversation for, you know, for somebody that's done what he's done, uh, but it had that feeling to it. And I'd be interested to see kind of what he would look like and come whenever next, uh, you know, training camp would be whenever that would be, but uh, it really did have that feel like, you know, this is kind of his swan song. Yeah, it, it probably should be. Um, 
I was a little shocked to see him get out there uh, when he did. But, you know, he had nothing to lose by going out there and trying it out. He wasn't playing against his own teammates. There's going to be no, you know, if he makes mistakes, so what? Uh, and, you know, he, he's not going to get hit out there. Uh, you're not going to see, you know, you're not going to see any hard plays, anything like that. So, like, for him to get out there, sure, go ahead, give it a shot. Uh, but hey, he didn't look all that great. He wasn't that fast. He was having problems on his edges. Like, he wasn't he wasn't able to turn that well. He's just starting to look like, you know, Michael Roosevelt did at the very end or whatever, where it was like, you know, it was, it's hard to watch, you know. And, and, you know, Roosevelt was actually a pretty, in his day, was a decent defenseman. Brent Seabrook even more so. So it's hard to watch a, a player lose it like that. Yeah. But you know well, what? He's just, he's not Duncan Keith. Especially Brent Seabrook, who was, you know, a really, really good defenseman. I mean, he was never an elite defenseman. I think early in his career, they kind of lumped he and Keith together. But the truth was, Keith was a notch above Seabrook um, throughout their careers. But Seabrook was a really solid number two, number three type of guy, maybe more of a number two. Um, he was big. He was rugged. He could, you know, he could lay a hit. He could drop the gloves. He had that bomb of a shot, absolute bomb of a shot. And uh, man, did he have he have a pension for big goals and big games, you know? Um, so I mean, I'm I'm always gonna have very fond memories of of his days in a hawk sweater. And and uh, honestly, guys like that, you just wish nothing nothing but the best to. And I just, you know, you don't want to see him be a guy just you know trying you know for for two or three years to keep playing when it's just not there anymore. And he doesn't need the money, you know. Has <laughs> been well documented. Clearly. <laughs> so I mean but uh you know and again I mean I think I, I think it's in a way it's a, it's a good jumping off point for him and probably for the organization too and for the fans because I think that fans got to start getting used to the fact that it, there there really does need to be a new generation to get uh to get back into contention and um it's unlikely with the current cast cast of characters that they're going to do that so um you know these are these are things that are necessary they're painful but they're necessary yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I expect him like Ray, uh, like you were saying, like probably give it a, give it a shot in camp. Uh, right. I could see that happening and we'll just yeah. see how it goes from there. And they may even want, you know, they may even roll him out there for some games and just to see what he's got, uh, you know, uh, it, early in the season. I mean, does it really matter, you know, a game, you know, three, four and five of the season, if Brent Seabrook's out there, no, it really doesn't matter. You might as well see what you got. He could see what he's got. You could show him on film whether he's, you know, at the level they need him anymore, or maybe it's time to think about hanging it up. So, well, I mean, if you got to pay him anyway, and he's better than Slater Cuckoo, play him. You know, I mean, that's the bottom line. If if he wants to play and 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 he's literally better than whoever else they have at number six, and you're paying, you have to pay him. Then 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 play him. Uh, also Calvin DeHaan, uh, Connor Murphy, you know, the, the Blackhawks and their quote unquote, their, uh, slew of defensemen, uh, seem to be, uh, well, at least Connor Murphy's he's injured. Uh, Calvin DeHaan, on the other hand, actually came back from injury, came back from his, what was it? Third soldier or uh, third or fourth shoulder surgery in three years. Uh, I heard him mention that. Um, but he's back, he's playing and he's, you know, that's good for the Blackhawks too. Uh, having Corey Crawford and having 
uh, Kellen DeHaan are definitely improvements over what we saw when they last played San Jose on uh, March 11th. Yeah, I think DeHaan is really critical because you you really have to game plan and match up um, with Edmonton over two lines minimum because you've got McDavid and you've got Dreisaitl. And uh, so having DeHaan on the left side and Keith on the left side, you, you've got then you've got two pairs with at least – plus defensive defensemen in the, in the NHL on, on each pairing to, to face those guys. That gives you a chance, mm-hmm. you know. And Dahan will give you a little bit in the corners. He'll give you a little bit in front, um, you know, where the Hawks definitely are lacking back there. So without him, that it really would have been an undersized. <laughs> uh, phrasing. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, I got you. So, but, okay. A little bit of front, a little bit in the back. Yeah, a little bit front, a little bit in the back. I mean, he brings a lot, you know, to the table defensively for the Hawks. Definitely. Uh, Connor Murphy, I mean, he didn't look so well, but um, he's nursing a groin injury. So hopefully we'll see. He'll feel, hopefully he'll feel a little better on uh, Saturday when this all uh, starts. But um, let's talk about the game. Uh, Yesterday, Blackhawks played the Blues in their only exhibition game. Uh, it was an early afternoon. I wish all the games would start at 530, honestly, because that was beautiful. The game was on and over with, and it, and I still had time to, like, you know, spend with my family at a reasonable time other than, you know, rushing to to get the, to watch the game. And then when it's done, it's 1030, 11 o'clock at night, and then it's right to bed because if you work early in the morning, like John there, uh, <laughs> John, John there yawning. Uh, yeah, I, I liked it. Um, the Blackhawks look good, uh, good, not great. They look good. The blues look bad and I expected more out of the blues. The blues are a better team. They just are. And, uh, the blues should have been able to wipe the ice with the Blackhawks, but they didn't, they came out flat. Uh, the Blackhawks were a little flat early on in the first period, but then came out in the second period, scored two goals, third period, scored two goals, uh, scored a couple power play goals, which was strange. And we were, and we're not really used to. Uh, Corey Crawford uh, played uh, the first half, 30 minutes, only saw 11 shots. None of them were all super difficult. Uh, on the other hand, the Blackhawks peppered, uh, you know, the Blues with uh, in Bennington with some good shots. They started out early. Like you said, Kubelik earlier, um, he was on fire. He was all over the place. He was firing from everywhere, it's which is going to be. What's that? It's because of his speed. <laughs> Yes, I think he's a little slower. I don't think he's slow. I think he's a little slower. But oh, I'm just gonna—I'm uh, gonna be relentless on this. You better be ready. <laughs> and, I, and you're gonna get the turtle with the uh, with the uh, flames jets on his back the entire time. Um, but he—he he looked really good. He was hitting the net. He was firing from everywhere, which is something that I saw uh, when I was putting the highlight videos together for him. That like he likes to shoot. They like to set him up for shots when he was on his team over in Europe. He was actually playing the point in Europe for on the power play. And he just, you know, like to sit in that spot where like, you know, to bring it and all them like to sit up for their one timers. Yeah. So does he, but he gets it off better and gets it through. Actually. Uh, he seems to be a little bit, I don't know, more experienced. Cause he did play pro hockey over overseas, maybe experience, more experience in finding that, that soft spot in, you know, against pro level players. <laughs> Um, you know, they're more AHL level players, but still pro level players. And, uh, 
but he's scoring, he's hitting the net, uh, which is more than we could say for what dear Alex Brinkett was doing when the season was paused. He was not hitting the net and he was not scoring. And uh, so, I mean, this is, that's a good sign for the Blackhawks. Uh, Kirby Doc looked good. So uh, yeah. What were your thoughts? Were you watching it, John? A little bit. And you know, Kubelik, I mean, Edmonton's going to have to watch. You're going to have to be really aware of him. You know, um, again, I think you, you may have a tendency with guys like Larson and, and nurse um, to, to run around a little bit and want to want to jack up, you know, the Hawks forwards with, with their sticks and whatnot and body them a lot, but they're going to have to also be really aware of Kubelik, especially because, you know, like where uh, some guys like Debrinka does a little bit more of a, you know, find a spot, stay there, wait for the puck. Kubelik moves around and he, and he does find those soft spots and uh, you know, hit that shot is just, is lethal. And uh, you know, they're going to have, they're definitely going to have to be aware of him. And um, I, my personal feeling is, and, and again, I'm not meaning to jump ahead to the series, but I feel like the Hawks best chance is to really keep Edmonton on their heels um, and, and not, uh, not allow Edmonton to overwhelm them. But uh, it's hard to do and probably a very high-risk way to play. And I think Kubelik would be a big part of that because he's a guy who's, who's more predictable um, and he's very dynamic the way he moves around. And then I think it creates some problems. So, yeah, I was, uh, I was very impressed. He, he, to my eye, he was the most impressive uh, Blackhawk forward in the game. I know that, uh, you know, Kirby Doc's tires were getting pumped pretty heavily and, and uh, um, you know, somewhat rightfully so, but it's an exhibition game you know, and uh, it ain't the playoffs. Um, not yet. And we'll, you know, we'll see how that goes. And, uh, you know, um, but yeah, I mean, all things, all things being equal, it was a, a real positive. I'm not sure St. Louis um, really went out there trying to, uh, to lay it all on the line. I think they feel they're, they're probably right. So again, just, you know, take, take a positive from it, but don't get too high on it either. Um, I, I saw something today about somebody talking about planning a parade and I'm like, Oh my God, stop. Well, they were saying but that anyway, before this game, uh, yeah, just so, because the Blackhawks had a, had a chance to advance to, you know, the actual playoffs, right. it was, Oh, they made a playoffs. They're going to win the cup this year. It's like, oh, oh Jesus. Here we go. <laughs> anyway. Yeah. Um, Ray, what are you? Give us your scout's eye on what ha- what what, the, what you saw in the Blackhawks yesterday. Yeah, touching on Kubalik, he, he's tough to defend. I mean, he keeps his feet moving. Uh, he finds good spots. Uh, you know, you can you think you know where he's at, and he's not there. You know, he's tough to defend. You know, so I, you know where you might know where Alex Debrink is at. Debrink it is at. You know, if I turn my head, I I know probably where he's at. Uh, you know, <laughs> always looking for spots, Kubalik. So and then yeah, that puck just jumps off his stick. So I mean he. If if he's hot, you know he definitely can can be a difference maker in this uh, in this series. But um, you know, for me, uh, yeah, I mean, it, it, if the Hawks can Hawks can take this first game, you know, maybe they you know turn a little bit of momentum. But for me, with with yesterday's game, St. Louis just don't get hurt, get back on the fake plane, get back in your hotel at the bubble, and you know everybody came out of the game unscathed, and and they're they're looking beyond yesterday you know where the hawks i think it was good for them to kind of look at it and go all right we, you know we played well you know we we did all the right things we did stuff that we wanted to do we scored power play goals penalty kill Corey crawford got to see game action uh you know quote unquote game action you know so from a hawk standpoint I, it was great 
but from the blue standpoint, it's exactly what they needed as well. Nobody got hurt and they're moving on. Right. <laughs> Although I did see somewhere in the highlights that uh, was a Carl Gunnarsson uh, went off the ice. I don't know if he was injured or not, but I know he went off in the game and I didn't even realize that when it happened, I was actually looking, watching the highlights and uh, I must've yeah. missed it. I must've got up or something, but hopefully that's not the case. But uh, I mean, there were teams, there are definitely teams that came in rusty. Uh, if you watch, if anyone watched the Pittsburgh game, watched uh, Malkin, the turnover that, uh, that he, oh my God, it was horrible. Just terrible. I mean, he basically, he might as well just turn around and shot it into his own net because he basically did that. He passed it right across the center of his own zone oh. to a wide open opponent who beat his goalie easily. And, uh, so, <laughs> yeah. yeah, so it's that's the other thing. Gonna... You can't read too much into you know, I mean, they've been sitting around for a long time. You get scrimmaging and stuff like that. I mean, it, it takes a little bit of uh, yeah. get going. We all know that, even at that level. Yeah, yeah. yeah so. Malkin, Malkin will get that out of his system now. I don't think you'll see a lot of that <laughs> when, the, when, when the games are on the line. Just... I, was watch, I was watching that Panthers game and uh, – I forgot who the defenseman was on, on the Panthers, but uh, in like three shifts, he uh, one of them, he turned it over right, right at the blue line for a breakaway coming back the other way. Uh, and another time he took a, a horrible penalty. And another time I'm like, Quenville is not going to put up with that. Like that dude just saw his last shifts of the game because it was, it was Mike, uh, Mike something, whatever, what I, whatever. Mike, not going to have a job anymore, guy. Um, <laughs> not good. Not good. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Matheson, I think, is, uh, it was Mike Matheson, yeah, I think. Yeah. But, yeah, he did that like three shifts in a row. He just he had horrible shifts. Got toasted, got walked around. Uh, yeah, it was it was just bad. And they were playing against uh, Tampa. So, you know, you couldn't – you can't let Braden Point have, a, a, you know, a, a free breakaway in from the blue line. And you can't uh, – Braden Point was just on fire. He was – blazing around the outside and uh florida just had no answer for any of it so yeah anyway uh yeah it, we'll see what happens i mean everyone's going to be on their high their blackhawks are going to blackhawks are going to win the cup uh until we hit saturday and you know what right now i'm kind of expecting something crazy to happen like maybe the blackhawks win in overtime or something like that and then it's really going to be laid on thick Luckily, you only have to turn around like a day or two later uh, to see the next game. Because the, the Blackhawks really, they, they cannot stay up with Edmonton, the, the quality of what Edmonton has in their lineup. They're young. They're really fast. They're dangerous. Um, the only place where the Blackhawks really hold an advantage is in net. And that's a, you know, Corey Crawford at what, 75%? He may be better than Koskinen or, or Smith, but uh, slightly, just slightly. Um, Bill, but I, I, go ahead. Uh, no, I was going to say, I, mean, I was thinking today about um, Corey Crawford and Mike Smith, and I remember the series where they faced off in the first round in 2012. And it's, it's, it's by no means an indicator of how this will go because Crawford was pretty terrible in that series and Smith was actually pretty good. But it just goes to show that, you know, any given series – can play out a variety of different ways. And there's a lot of things that you can't predict. And 
The one thing I, I will say about Edmonton that, that may be working against them is if the Hawks can beat them the first game and get inside their heads a little bit, let's remember something for all the talent Edmonton has, they haven't really won anything in the playoffs, at least not, not for, you know, a while, um, decades. And, uh, you know, that's, that I think is the Hawks big hope. If they can pull out game one and get in Edmonton's heads a little bit and undermine their confidence, then, uh, I think that, uh, I think that, that the Hawks may have a chance to push it, you know, perhaps to five games and who knows what can happen. I mean, uh, but you know, Again, the Hawks have been a team historically the last few years that have always, you know, done well in three-on-three overtime, which you don't have in the playoffs. You got to play actual five-on-five in the playoffs. And um, while the Hawks are quote the youngest team in the playoffs, the truth is their best players are all north of thirty. You know, so I, I think that long games and long series in, in in the opponent's city, you know, where you're staying in a hotel, granted, no distractions with the bubble, but I feel like that plays more to Edmonton's hands than it does the Hawks. Right. Yeah, I think it's going to be the intensity that's going to be good for the for the Hawks. Um, you know, if they could come out, like you said, maybe have Edmonton on their heels a little bit. Uh, you know, if they're not overwhelmed, uh, you know, with a, a, a Cassian or something along those lines where the, the game's just heavy and, and grabbing and, you know, it's just not that outside game. And, and you know, the Hawks have that they just haven't that, you know, they've got the, the Stanley cup depth and then they've got guys that haven't been in it. And if I think if they could kind of hang on for that game one and kind of get that intensity, the crowd won't be there. You know, it might be a different story if the crowd was there, but if they could just hang that intensity and say, Hey man, we could play with these guys. They might be able to, I think their forwards have to play a thousand times better defensively than they did during the season in order for this team to be successful. Uh, you know, we, we always kind of point to Keith and Boquist and Murphy and Dahan, but, you know, defensively, if those forwards aren't playing defense, this is going to be a Edmonton's going to be tough to stop, tough to stop. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Uh, I mean, they have the, they have dry and they have McDavid who I think have been playing mostly together. Right. Uh, the, 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 what I was seeing was that they had had them separated. Um, but they, you know, Tippett always has that option both ways. So, um, you know, I, I'm not sure what their plan is actually going into Saturday. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, they, and you got other people like Ryan Nugent Hopkins, people that like you may have forgotten, but they do have, and, and we had a debate going on privately, I think in our, in our rank chat about like Andreas Athanasio and uh, Tyler Ennis, I, if nothing else, they're fast and going the other way, go, coming, you know, at your goalie, that's a lot of speed, yeah. whether, you know, Ray, I think Ray thinks that, uh, if fantasy, you probably can't, uh, you might as well just send him down the ice without a puck because he's not going to be able to control it anyway. <laughs> <laughs> hope it's not in a corner and hope it's not in front of the net. He'll be fine. <laughs> Um, he's like Willie Gold. He can definitely skate. So, I mean, yeah. and that's the thing is they do have secondary scoring. I mean, it's something that you know. I mean, it's not just a, a two man show. It's an it's an awesome two man show. And and you you let them on the power play. It's a it's a historic two man show. But you know they do have talent up and down the lineup. I got to be honest with you. If I'm tipping, I'm separating those guys because. The Hawks are going to have a really difficult time matching up if you put those guys on two different lines. Jonathan Tate's can only play against one of them. Mm-hmm. And then after that, boy, are you in trouble? Um, because 
you're talking about a 19 year old or you're talking about Dylan Strom who has serious mobility liabilities and is not exactly physical. Um, or you're talking and, about Ryan Carpenter. Right, right. So if I'm Tippett, I'm starting out trying both of those guys separated. I mean, they've had a lot of success with those two guys separated. They don't have to play you know, over the years, I mean, you know, they had the option always of loading them up together, but the, you know, they're, those guys can both drive lines like nobody's business. So that's what I would do if I was Edmonton. And I think if Edmonton does that, um, you know, this series is going to, then, then any chance the Hawks have, they've got it. They've got, they're going to have to find a way when Taves isn't on the ice to slow the other guy down. <clears throat> yeah. Uh, I, I don't think they, you know, they shouldn't be able to win the series, uh, but stranger things have happened. Yeah. It's not beyond, beyond the realm of possibility. And I even said this at the beginning. I'm like, they could beat Edmonton. They've played Edmonton well this year. Yeah. And I'm not going to go out on a limb and say that they're going to beat Edmonton. But if Edmonton plays like they did, you know, the, the three games that they faced the Blackhawks this year, you could beat them in a three-game series if Corey Crawford's hot. And yeah. You know, you get Dominic Kublik scoring a goal a game or more. And, you know, as a secondary scoring option, that's not even, you know, the main scoring option. And, and, you know, the guys on defense don't don't kill you. Having DeHaan back, like, things could happen. The Blackhawks could make it. Getting further than that, that's not realistic whatsoever. Uh, and I agree with you that it would have been a better – it would have been a better ending if like Corey Crawford couldn't have played and they bowed out and then they were able to get a chance at that first overall pick. And maybe they were able to pull that off because I think they had a better, and you said this too. We both think that they had a better chance at pulling off the first overall pick than they do making it past the actual first round of the playoffs, not the play in, right. not the postseason, the They're actual playoffs. playoffs. No, that's not going to happen. I'm pretty much guarantee that. Yeah. So, I mean, it doesn't mean you're not a fan because you don't think that, you know, you're realistic and you don't think the team can get to a certain point. Like, it, that's just, that, that's just expertise at a trained eye to think that like, Hey, you've seen this team. It's not that good. You've seen better teams. We've watched, you know, how good 2010 through 2015 was for this team. Even when they were bad, they were probably better than this team. Uh, but they do have some promise and, uh, you know, Kubalik was a, a diamond in the rough that they found. I mean, he's probably, he probably equals a high first round pick for them at this point in time. Yeah. I mean, if, if they, they were gifted, if they'd have been able to project that he would be this kind of player. Yeah. He would have been a top 10 pick for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So, I mean, they basically got a, a free high first round pick out of, out of this. So that's nice. They can, you know, they're building the, the, the core of the forwards again. And, um, you know, the defense is what it, the, the defense is. And Bokris is going to be what he's going to be. But they're just going to throw him out there and they're just going to, you know, this is good experience, playoff type experience for a young player like that to see what playoff hockey's like yeah. in Kirby Doc. And, yeah. you know, those guys who have not seen this kind of hockey because the Blackhawks haven't been in the playoffs in three years. Yeah. And, uh, you know, these guys were in juniors or college the last time the Blackhawks actually saw the playoffs. Speaking of um, the Hawks and Edmonton head to head, it wasn't this year. It may have been previous season or two seasons ago. I remember a game they went up to Edmonton and the, the Oilers um, just pushed the Hawks around the building the whole night. And it was not pretty. 
And I and I, that's the other thing I think may happen. The Oilers may try to do is their defense is big, and those guys are not afraid to push people around. Now again, that could be that could be high risk, high reward. I mean, um, because the fact that you can get a little out of position sometimes and whatnot. But I got a feeling that those guys like Nurse and Larson and Clefbaum, they're going to be really, really getting very physical and bodying a lot of those uh, hawk forwards. And, um, you know, uh, they, you know, you can use that argument, well, it's tough to hit what you can't catch. But, I mean, some, some of those guys are not terribly mobile either. I mean, it's like a Stroman to Brinkett primarily. And um, I think – I just think that uh, it's going to be interesting to see how, you know, how Tippett game plans this and how Colleton responds or, you know, Colleton game plans it, it, it vice versa. But, you know, the advantage – all the advantages are in Tippett, with Tippett in this game because he's got – He's got better, better talent. He's got um, bigger talent. He's got faster talent. Um, the question is going to be, can, what can the Hawks do? And can Corey Crawford really stand on his head? Because just, just to keep the, the, I think to keep the Oilers below two goals a game, is going to be remarkable for a guy who had COVID-19 three weeks ago. Yeah. That's a great point. You know, what, what is his, you know, what is is he going to pass out? Like, is he going to be, you know, lightheaded? Is he, are his lung, is his lung function back to where, you know, it really needs to be when, you know, he's scrambling around the crease because Connor McDavid's skating around the net 5,000 miles an hour, just teeing off on him constantly. Uh, I, you know, the Blackhawks don't seem to care apparently, or, uh, you know, it, Corey Crawford miraculously, you know, miraculously, uh, you know, can just heal like uh, Deadpool, and uh, he could just show up and play. Uh, I don't, I don't know. I mean, this the Blues came out and looked bad, uh, but the Oilers in their game played Calgary, beat them four to one, pretty handily. McDavid had two goals, and I said it in the second period. McDavid was uh, deferring to the pass midway through the second period, there were th- at least two or three other chances that McDavid had where he could have taken it himself and beat the Calgary goal. He could have had five goals that night if he wasn't, you know, pulling back and, you know, deferring to, to, to other players when he, when he had a clear open path to the net or he was 10 or not even 10 foot six foot out from the net. And he's, he's one-on-one with the goal and he tries to force a pass that a defenseman then blocks and it goes back the other way because it's just an exhibition game and who cares? So uh, the Blues, or I mean, the um, the Oilers came in pretty hot and looking like they're running on all cylinders, which is not what the Blues did against, the, you know, the Blackhawks. So th- this is going to be a different animal you're going to see against the, the Blackhawks. Plus, I mean, as much as the, there's no fans involved, Edmonton's playing in their home rink. Right, right. In the city where they all live during the season. Right. Like, they might not all live there in the off season, but during the season, this is where they all live. They're pretty comfortable. They know their way around. Right. Other people are, you know, traveling this bubble and all that other stuff. So that's could play a little bit into it. And plus Edmonton is going to know the bounces in the rink. Right. I saw some, I saw some, uh, some plays and I think it was in Toronto. Uh, the Toronto, one of the Toronto games where someone was, uh, one of the teams was dumping. I think it was actually Toronto was dumping the puck in deep off the boards and they were getting weird bounces and it looked like it was something they knew was there. Right. And then, 
you know, we're trying to use it to exploit the other team. So, right. you know, there could be those small advantages, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. uh, for, for Edmonton. So yeah. um, I don't think it's going to, you know, I, it may go five games, but I don't think that the Blackhawks come out of it, uh, you know, winning three out of five, you say four games. Ray, what do you say? I think Edmonton will take it in four. Four. Yeah. It's probably more likely. Uh, but um, I don't, I don't think the Blackhawks get swept. I think they got enough in them where, yeah. uh, you know, Edmonton comes out bad Blackhawks start hot, uh, kind of bang, uh, bang around a little bit. You know, keep, McDavid under, uh, you know, undercover for a little while and they could win a game or win a, you know, win a five, four game right? with, with Corey Crawford or win a, you know, an overtime game because Miro Koskinen and, uh, I think it's Miro, Miko Koskinen, Miko Koskinen. Sorry. I always get that name mixed up. I mix them up with the, uh, the other Russian brothers, um, Kostitsin, uh, and Mike Smith. Uh, they're not all that good. Uh, I, if, if it were me and from what I've seen, uh, Koskinen, I like his size better. He's like more like a Corey Crawford style, but he's huge. He's like six, seven. So he just stands back in the net and just right. covers the whole net. Ben he's Bishop. not real flashy. Right. Ben yeah. Yep. Same kind of. Yeah. Ability. He's yeah. not flashy at all. He yeah. just stand. He's, he just blocks the puck and then that's it. Mike Smith is a little more out there, but he also has that advantage of being able to play the puck which can be a blessing and a curse if yeah. he's too cocky, turns it over, gets caught out of position because, well, you know, we'll if see. If you have a defense, if you have a defense like the Hawks where you've got guys who tend to end up below the goal line, that Smith's puck handling could be a huge advantage for Edmonton in terms of getting pucks out and catching the Hawks, you know, way, way, way out of position. So I have a feeling they're going to go with Smith to start. Uh, I think it's going to be an experience factor and the fact that Smith has had playoff success against the Hawks, um, you know, and, and he kind of got in their heads in 2012, long time ago, but I just have a feeling that Tippett will have, you know, go to a really good point. Um, because I, again, I think both teams are going to try to catch each other off guard, you know, in terms of, in terms of coming back the other way, these could kind of be track meet games, depends. I mean, it depends on the refs call it. It also depends like, you know, if Edmonton starts really lighting up some Hawk players, it, it could slow it down. We'll see. Mm-hmm. Yeah. When I looked yeah. up and down the lineup, I, you know, you look at Chicago's defense, you know, in, in Duncan Keith looks like he's in great shape. I mean, I, I, that's mm-hmm. probably the most obvious comment I've ever made, but you know, if he can <laughs> play some, you know, loads of hockey, you know, and then they're just missing somebody like a, you know, like nurse, you know, if we had a nurse where it was just, man, he could play a heavy game. Um, you felt a little bit better about him, you know, defensively than maybe, uh, you know, the, the bottom, you know, four that the Hawks have, they're, they're just missing that guy that I think that you just, he plays a heavier game. You know, he could play in front of the net. He's going to be tough in the corners. He could still defend. He could skate, you know, stuff along those lines to say, man, if they just had had someone like that, you'd feel a little bit better. If it's hockey, yeah. playoff hockey intensity. Yeah, I, I would actually would like to see him have a couple of those guys. Um, I mean, Larson, Nurse, Clefbaum, any of those three guys. Right. Because, right. you know, that's the other thing about the playoffs. And we, we've seen it time and again. I remember remember last year, you know, Tampa Bay came into to, uh, round one against Columbus. Tampa Bay had, you know, all of the momentum and the press clippings and the expectations. 
Columbus swept them and Columbus did it by just beating them down physically. And, you know, the ref swallowed a whistle. So again, if you've got, if you got a big team like Edmonton does, I mean, uh, I think you've got it, especially in your own building. I mean, even though there aren't fans there, I just, I, I think that the refs are going to go back to, you know, calling the games a little, uh, not, not tight, let the cl- uh, clutching and grabbing go and the hitting go and, you know, the sticks and whatnot. And that again goes to Edmonton's favor because I think they're going to try to play that way too. I think they're going to, they're going to be rough and heavy. Yeah. If you look at the, if you look at up and down their lineup, like Ray, you mentioned, um, their defensemen that are going to be playing six, one, six, three, six, two, six, three, six, four. Like where do the Blackhawks have that in their lineup? They really don't have a lot of that. And, and nurse is two, two twenty one. Uh, Larson's 210. Uh, Lagesson, uh, I don't know if he's going to play, but he's 210. Two uh, Clefbaum, 215 or 220. Like, there you go. Big, mm-hmm. heavy defensemen that are going to be able to push small forwards around. And uh, the Blackhawks don't really have an answer for that. I mean, even, even on forward, um, their fourth line uh, winger, uh, what's his name? Uh, what is it? Kahira? Kaira. Yeah, he's the center. Six four two fifteen. Like the Blackhawks have, you know, Kirby Doc, who's tall, but he's not two fifteen, that's for sure. No. Uh, and- Zach Cashin, two fifteen, six three, two fifteen, like uh Leon Dreisidel, six two, two ten. Yep. Uh, Alex Chason, six four, two ten, roughly. Um even Athanasiu is six two. He's only one ninety, but you know, these are some bigger players that complement the smaller Yamamoto's and, you know, Tyler Ennis's that are going to be out there because you're going to have to have big players to, you know, kind of hide those smaller players around a little bit. So yeah, they, they unlike, have a nice mix. Yeah. But unlike other, you know, other big teams around the league, Edmonton's got a lot of speed. Yeah. You know? um, they have speed they, and size, which yeah. is a rare commodity. Yeah, and I think again, I mean, and they're not. I mean, Tippett. I've heard people, you know, run him down as a coach, but you know, yeah, he is part of that sort of, you know, fifteen coaches around the league who, you know, work work somewhere. Every, you know, every three years they get a new job somewhere else. But his his track record and reputation um, is is slightly higher in that group. Um, in terms of in terms of an NHL coach and. You know, you, with a young team like Edmonton, and Edmonton's a young team too. Um, I think I think that's what you want. You want somebody who who really um, can keep them on an even keel. And if they had, if they start out bad, he can he can you know get them get them back in the game pretty quickly and or back in the series pretty quickly. Um, you know, um, I, Jeremy Carlton. I don't know. We don't know what he's an unknown commodity when it comes to coaching a playoff team and an NHL playoff team. You know. So we'll yeah, see. and he ha- he hasn't shown too much in the regular season to 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 give you know to give us really anything to look forward to. While you have Dave Tippett, who you know is pretty respected among coaches, he's yeah. he is in the old guard, but he's kind of in the like the backside of that old guard where he looks like he's one of those guys who's willing to embrace uh, you know analytics or embrace mo- a more run and gun style. I don't think he always has to have, he's not like Mike Babcock where, where he was holding the Toronto back by yeah. trying to have them be this button down team that they're not. Yeah. Uh, 
I, you know, I'd love to have Dave Tippett in Chicago, to be honest with you. I think he'd be a good coach to, to maybe help this, this team, this young team, but uh, the, we don't have that. We have Jeremy Colleton. So I think, I think part of the reason he's not in Chicago is he's, he's very much in the Joel Quenville school of, of coaches. And I mean, he and Q played together in the NHL and, and, um, you know, they, they speak very highly of each other's coaching styles. I think so. That could be the reason he's not here, you know? Um, but, uh, yeah. What do you think of the coaching, uh, face off between the two coaches, right? Yeah. I mean, it, it's obviously in Tippett's favor, you know, I mean, he's been there, he's done that. Um, you know, Palatin, you know, this is, you know, Hey, instead of playing games 71 through 82 and then going golfing here, here's your chance. You know, you got a, a series against another team. You're the underdog, you know, show us what you got as a coach, you know, is your team prepared and ready to play and stuff like that? Definitely under different circumstances. I, I understand that, but you know, for, for Colleton, you know, he definitely, this is where you can make your chops here a little bit and say, you know, yeah, you know, I wasn't overmatched. If you get at, at the end of the series and you go, wow, you know, that <laughs> Colleton was overmatched you know, then, then you've got bigger issues, but uh, it, it's definitely better than them playing out the last 12 games of the season. You, you get a feel for this playoff hockey. Yes. A play in hockey. Um, but it's going to be a different intensity than just playing out your games and, and going to golf. So, but Tippett def- definitely gets the edge. That's a no brainer to me. I, I had to bring out this uh, sound clip for forklift. Bazinga. Because he, he, he thinks he looks like uh Sheldon. <laughs> Tippett? Well, well, so we're saying it right here, guys. What I'm looking forward to is uh, Chicago's back, baby. Rebuild over. We're done here. (laughs) (laughs) Or, or I have four. This is the story we're going to tell. Yep. Brent Seabrook comeback tour. Let's go. (laughs) That's what it's going to be when uh, training camp starts. Yeah. All right. Well, I mean, that's pretty much where we're at. Uh, the Blackhawks play. Uh, Blackhawks will play Saturday at like two in the afternoon. Uh, there's a they're doing a road like a road watch thing at at, at the uh, the Schaumburg Bombers Boomers uh, Stadium, uh, where it's going to be like a drive-in kind of thing. Uh, you get with you have to buy a ticket, and then uh, <clears throat> you buy a ticket. You get a spot at the drive-in. Plus, you can sit on like the lawn next to your car if you'd like um like basically a picnic kind of area and there will be cars that will be divided this is what i've seen from the email because i kind of looked into it i thought you know if i had the time at two o'clock on a saturday afternoon to go do this i you know the kids might think it would be interesting but uh, i just don't have the time to do it but it's like you get you get that spot next to your car and your car the cars will be the dividers for the covid uh spreading and they're going to do this thing out there and uh I, whatever, you know, that it, it's different. It's unique. Uh, I guess you might as well try it. It can't hurt. I don't care either way, to be honest with you. I don't know. The whole idea of driving to Schaumburg to socially distance at a, at a drive-in theater to me is just, I would just much rather just watch the game from home, you know? Yeah, I, mean, I would too. It's I mean, the whole idea of going to a game is about the crowd, you know, and it, socially distancing is not a crowd. It's, I mean, hey, I applaud the effort, but it just sort of seems misguided to me. I don't know. I don't think you, you Ray, you got anything on that? Oh, I, I won't be there. <laughs> <laughs> that makes three of us. <laughs> yeah, it was interesting. To, I mean, at, 
I wouldn't have probably ever thought somebody would want to do that, um, you know, as a, you know, a marketing team, but, you know, get, get people out there socially distant, but yeah, no, it, that's fine. <laughs> I won't be there. Well, speaking of giving it the old college try, one last thing I think we should probably touch on a little bit is the Blackhawks coming out with the announcement yesterday that um, they are going to try to put more uh, attention on the First Nations, uh, you know, Native American culture. And it has been formally announced that in the United Center for future home games and team any team events that... Um, it's prohibited to wear the Indian headdress, uh, this thing, the Indian headdress in the um, in the arena or any team events, which should have been common sense a long time ago. But, uh, you know, that's they have, you know, these days you have to put in an if you're not if you're not addressing it publicly on Twitter with an announcement, you're you're not addressing it to the general public. So that's yeah. what they did. They addressed it. Um, yeah. I think if we'll the Hawks are going to, are going to walk this uh, path of trying to preserve the, the logo and the hallmarks, I, I think that they're going to have to do, they're going to have to do this dance, you know, every step of the way they're going to have to be, they're going to have to err on the side of not being offensive um, and, and trying to live the, uh, the stated, uh, mission of, you know, being a tribute to uh, Chief Blackhawk and, um, you know, to, to Native Americans. And we'll see, you know, we'll see if they can pull it off. I mean, because I think the as, as we've seen, even though some people don't like it, I mean, um, you know, the cultural expectations are changing and corporations and big brands in this country are moving in that direction and they're not looking back. Um, so um, it'll be interesting to see if, if the Hawks can pull it off. I've said this for years. Um, and a lot of people wanted to argue with me about it. And my whole thing on this is like, it's the logo is going to change in our lifetime. I think so. I'm not going to like it. I love it. I have a tattooed on my arm. Like I love the logo. I'm going to hate that it's going to go, but I understand that it's going to go. And I've just come to the realization that I'm going to just have to accept it. Do I think they need to change the team name? No, I do not. It's not an offensive team name. You could change it to Black Hawks. It's right. a black bird. Right. Some people find that offensive for some reason, and I don't understand why, but Black Hawks, and then you could, you know, maybe or maybe not use the, you know, the feathers, however they want to do it. We've yeah. seen a lot of different renderings of things like that, yeah. or just do the C, the Chicago C with the, you know, but to, to pull the Indian head off, it, it's the best logo in sports, but it's going to go, man. I, I, I hate that it's going to go, but it's probably going to go. So, you know, I'm just waiting for the time to come. And uh, unfortunately, a lot of people in a vacuum in Chicago don't realize that there are people outside of Chicago who are and aren't Native Americans that are offended by it. Right. Uh, and me being middle class white dude. I don't, I can't say whether they can be offended or not offended about it. I'm not allowed. I can be offended about middle-class white dudes. If you right. want to offend middle-class white dudes, that's me. I can be offended by that. I won't be, but I can be. Um, it's just not my place. So I can't really argue it. I can only say, you know, I can only say what, what the team was named after just to try to, to get the, uh, you know, the truth out there 
make sure that everyone understands what the team was named after, why they were named the way they were. And that's what I could prefer to do. And other, other than that, you know, but you're getting, the, the Blackhawks are actually getting a lot of shrapnel from the Redskins and the Indians. Right. The problem here is, is right. the Indians logo was a character of an Indian, which is offensive. Dude, it's Redskins, offensive. It's yeah. offensive. <laughs> and the Redskins name is a slur. Yeah. So the name of the Redskins is the bad part. The logo of the Indians is the bad part. And that's where we were at. They're lumping names and logos in together. And there's a lot of confusion and there's a lot of haze in this whole thing with, with the way culture is today. And a lot of people getting offended. So is the logo offensive? If there's enough native Americans that say it's offensive, then it's offensive. I can't argue it. I, it's not my, it's not any of our place here. Um, unless Ray, unless you're native American. <laughs> no, no. Yeah, no. Uh, Eastern, yeah. Uh, Eastern European. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Which is probably most of us. Yeah. So it's like, you know, don't argue with me, man, uh, about it. Cause I love the logo and I don't want to see it go, but I'll understand if it goes. That's the, that that's, and that pretty much, I was surprised to see when we were talking privately with all of our writers, they pretty much kind of all felt the same way. They just wanted people to understand why the, the, the logo is or what, how it came to be, what it's, you know, out there to show and respect. Honestly, to me, it's not a character. I always looked at it as a kid is an homage to mighty warriors of, mm-hmm. you know, of native American descent. Now uh, it's not a character. It does look like, you know, a, a native American Indian chief, kind of like the Redskins logo does too. I liked Indian themed logos. I liked the colors. I thought it was cool. I looked up and thought, you know, Indian chiefs were like hero type, like superhero type warriors. And that's the way I felt, but I am, you know, I don't have a voice in this and that's fine. And I'll accept whichever, whichever way it goes. So that's kind of the way I feel on that. And and that's where Chicago, the Blackhawks, you know, they have to, they have to show. I mean, you can't just say you don't just put out a statement. You don't just say this is what we're going to do and then don't do anything. You know, they've they've done some stuff in the past. I mean, I've been in the stands when they've done some things and stuff like that. But you know, the educational side of things, if they're going to educate people about it, um, you know, the history stuff along those lines, I truly believe it's going to be changed definitely in our lifetime. And you know, you could say one thing and do another, and that's even the league. I mean, we could talk about this on a bunch of different levels. Um, you could say one thing, but then if you don't do it, it doesn't matter. You know, you've got to say it and then you've got to follow up with it. So it'd be, it'd be curious to see what they do. The, the uh, uh, you know, um, I think what's going to happen, Gate, to your point is um, after the Redskins change and, and I think the Indians are going to change. And, and I think after that happens, the Blackhawks then are going to be the lone outlier, you know, in pro sports um, around the, you know, the Native American issue. And I think that, uh, eventually the focus will be on them and the question will be, well, why are you the only ones who haven't done it? You know? And, and uh, I've seen well, a lot of that. Yeah. You know, it's really funny. I mean, when I was in college, which was a long time ago, as you guys are aware, that was um, like 1935, long, right? <laughs> longer than I care to admit our, our colleges uh, mascot was called, or the team name was called the Siwash and it was an Indian tribe. And this, so this was, I will full, full disclosure was in the eighties. 
And we had a new college president come in and he decided to change the name from Siwash to the Prairie Fire. And, um, you know, <laughs> I don't even know, know what that is. <laughs> in the 80s when there was no political correctness at all, you know, and um, but it, but it's interesting because the story is, yes, the Siwash was the name of the Indian tribe, but it was an Indian tribe that had been named by white people. Um, and Siwash literally meant savages, you know, so it's really interesting. I mean, because in, in hindsight, I don't know. I mean, that, that would never survive today. That's for damn no. sure, you know. Um, that would have been the first one to go. Yeah. So, I mean, it's just like, these are complicated issues and, and I gave you're a hundred percent right. My thing is, is I, I'm, I'm not native American. So it's, it's not for me to say how native Americans should feel one way or the other, but I will say as a white American that they are complicated issues. Now Redskins, that's a slur. I mean, that's racist, you know, chief Wahoo is a, is a pretty racist caricature, you know, and, so, I mean, Atlanta Braves, I don't know. I mean, they're, they're, they're tribute, they're tributing Indian warriors, you know, but, but it's not for me to say. And again, here I am, I'm falling into it because I'm saying, and I shouldn't be, but I think, I do think that they're complicated issues. And unfortunately, I think what's going to happen though, is over time, as each team kind of ticks off and changes, it's going to put more and more pressure and focus on those that haven't. And that's when it's going to change. And this is a marketing driven league. Right. And when your marketing team is getting like, what's going to happen tomorrow night and uh, you know, outside the United center, there's going to be protesters out there uh, for uh, you know, uh, you know, uh, our uh, nationality is not your, you know, mascot kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And you know, that's, I curious to see what kind of turnout there's going to be. Or if there are going to uh, be we'll protesters, which in yeah. this day and age in 2020, Hard to have a protest without a counter protest. Gonna be it could be interesting. But if if there's a whole bunch of Native American uh people out there that are uh offended, like okay. I get it. Uh you have every right to be there, and I'm not gonna argue your right to be there or be offended. That's you know, that's that's your choice. And uh, you know, if you're offended, you're offended. That's just the way it is. I can't, I can't tell you either way, whether, uh, you know, whether you're right or wrong. Uh, I just, you know, if you're offended, you are offended and that's not my point or my, not my place to tell you. So we'll see. Um, but I think that going back to the original point was that like with them in a marketing driven league, if you're getting negative press right. for something, right. It's not always good. You know, that, that, that old cliche that they try to say that any press is good press. That's not always right. Look at Jeffrey Epstein. Look at like, you know, that press was not good. Uh, and, and, you know, being labeled one way, whether it is, whether you are or not being, having a racist, you know, a, a, a race sensitive logo or name uh, being, having that label attached to you doesn't help your marketing. So eventually, uh, you know, I think they will cave. In uh, you know Danny Wirtz or whoever the, is the president is going to say you know what this is a fight we shouldn't be fighting right. let's just make an adjustment now right. while you know under our own terms and move on and, and do that that's what I think is going to happen now of course I'm going to get angry tweets saying that I think the Blackhawks should or shouldn't do it and that's not what I'm saying 
I just think it's going to happen. And um, just everybody needs to prepare for it. You can right. be in denial now, but just prepare for it. Right. So, yeah. So that's kind of a, a, you know, a sensitive thing. And, you know, you got to kind of walk the fine line on, on, on that whole situation, but it's something that needed to be addressed. And there's other things being addressed, like, you know, the, the players in the national anthem, uh, you know, for the games are, are you know, trying to show solidarity um, for the, the black lives matter movement. And uh, what angers me about that a little bit is the fact that they're making an effort, they're doing something and they get criticized for it. I hate when they get criticized for actually doing something. They are doing something. You might not think it's enough or whoever you or whoever is out there might not think it's enough, but they are actually making an effort to do something to make some sort of statement. And for that part, they should be, you know, at least applauded. You don't have to go out of your way and say they're doing a wonderful job, but they are making an effort. Well, and and for that, you know, the other side of that coin is I saw a thread on Twitter. um, (laughs) It was, it was all Canadians and basically talking about how there was a photograph of the Leafs in the dressing room wearing black lives matter t-shirts and it must have been like like at least 50 comments and and it was they were primarily canadians and they're all saying how they would not they would not follow the leafs anymore because they were caving to the political correctness and i w- i was just stunned um, because you know our perception of canadians is that they're all they're all politically correct and liberal and and um, actually that's not my perception but that's that's a perception that some have and and uh, you know i think that um, you know, again, I'm going to say this, and, and some people may not like it, and this is just my opinion, but um, when you, there's a lot of brands in the United States. As a matter of fact, all, really all the big brands in the United States are getting out ahead of these movements and are embracing these movements. And the reason they're doing that is because um, it, it really um, it, it, it motivates their, their employees, many of whom are people um, who are minorities or uh, previously oppressed groups. And uh, so it becomes a recruiting and, a, and an employee retention tool. And that makes it sound very transactional and not uh, not high minded. And I don't mean it that way. But, you know, brands and corporations run on money. And frankly, that's what the NHL is doing, too, in, in my opinion. And um, I, again, I'm not making a political statement here. I'm just saying, folks, if you don't like it, you better get used to it because that's where society's heading. And um, there, there are reasons why and their reasons are bigger than any one individual um, or uh, in, any any pro, any specific protest or counter protest, um, you know, we're moving in that direction. And I think that uh, I don't know. Again, I'm going to avoid getting into the politics of it, but I will say that I I don't have a problem with with the league making a statement uh, and a positive statement. And on a bit of a lighter note, I don't know if anyone saw the picture that got put up earlier with the Bruins and the uh, Columbus Blue Jackets, yes. and. Uh, Zdeno Chara arm in arm with Cam Atkinson and Nathan Gerby, yeah. who together standing on each other's shoulders aren't as tall as Chara. Yeah, that was a eight, humorous picture. Six. Yeah, that was that was really something. That's great. I had to put a little bit. Of, I had to add a little bit of lightness into this. Ray, you got anything else you want to add to that? Or no, I think just my point earlier. You know, to say one thing and and do it. I mean, that's what the NHL is doing. You know, they want to they want to do the right thing and, and they're showing that they want to do the right thing in the past, you know, people have said things and, and done the complete opposite, you know, right. and, you know, so if you say something and you're going to do it, right. that's a, that's a step in the right direction. Now it's got to continue, uh, but it's a step in the right direction. Right. 
Yeah, and uh, I, w- I want to bring this up because we're, since we're kind of really talking about it right now, it looks like today um, a lot of the players who are uh, basically uh, involved in this Hockey Diversity Alliance group, uh, was their players of color. Uh, they they created this thing along with uh, Kima Lou and that whole thing. Uh, their website, they were sharing it all today. So uh, I shared it on all of our social media accounts. Uh, the website is hockeydiversityalliance.org. Uh, go there, check it out, look around. If you're curious about what it is, you know, um, I was. I went there, I checked it out, I clicked around their website. Uh, you know, I wanted to see who was involved. Um, I don't see any Blackhawks names on there right now, but that, that doesn't mean anything. I mean, uh, Malcolm Subban is a player of color, and um, I would fully expect him to be involved in, in this movement. So, uh, yeah, you know, and I know, I know PK is very involved and, um, yeah, I mean, and yeah, I think it's, I think it's definitely for the benefit of the league and, and the sport. And, uh, um, you know, it, it's frankly, the NHL has kind of lagged behind other sports in terms of diversity among his players and coaches. So I, I think that, uh, you know, it's time. Definitely. Yeah. So if, if you're, you know, feel free to go check that out. I shared that on all of our social media. It's uh, it's on like Matt Dumba's account. It's on uh, several players who are involved with, uh, with this group, the diversity Alliance, uh, Akeem Alou and a bunch of others. So, uh, you know, check it out. If you're interested, uh, read more about it. And uh, they don't really have a Twitter account for it yet, which is kind of surprised me, but, Oh, I assume they're going to be rolling with all that soon too. So Um, I guess, I mean, that's kind of really it as far as like news, Blackhawk stuff. Um, uh, I don't really have much more. You got John, you got anything you want to talk about? Uh, No, I guess I I do want to also echo your uh, condolences to the Hulubiak family. Um, I've had some interactions with Jonathan. Seems like a really good guy. And, and, uh, um, uh, you know, that's just, uh, it's a tragedy. It's really sad. And, uh, but, uh, no, beyond that, I'm just like kind of geeked up. I'm going to spend Saturday basically in the recliner. I'm in the, in the parka lounger and uh, <laughs> I'm going to be, uh, you know, uh, I may consume a few more carbs than I normally do. And, and, uh, you know, just, it's going to be fun. It's going to be fun to watch. So, yeah, I was showing, uh, uh what game started Tuesday. Was it Monday or Tuesday? Uh, I watched all the games. I went uh, and, and just watched game after game after game the first two days. Uh, and the Blackhawks yesterday, I kind of took a day off but uh, and just watched the Blackhawks game. But I did watch some of the other stuff. Uh, it's great to see hockey again. It's great to see live hockey out there, uh, not replays of games from 2010 that the Blackhawks media is rolling out there or anything like that. It's nice to see live hockey, whether it's my team or not. Uh, I don't care. I like watching hockey. Uh, some of it's a little more background noise and I don't pay as much attention to it when it's not the team that, that I really root for, but uh, that doesn't mean that I don't have it on almost constantly. And I enjoyed watching it. I had a great time. Uh, uh, I'm glad to see hockey. I'm not optimistic. It's going to continue a lot longer, but you know, I'm going to enjoy it while it's there. So, Oh boy, get that Columbus blue Jackets jersey off. I want to be watching you guys too. <laughs> Trash times a million. (laughs) 
I, I haven't watched any uh, Blue Jackets. Don't tell yet, me that you wouldn't love it if they if they beat Toronto in Toronto. Tell me you wouldn't. Oh, love I it. would for sure. But uh, from what I saw at Toronto the other day, man, they're good. They're fast. They're dangerous. Yeah, uh, so, they're like uh, like I said, they're like the 1990 Houston Oilers. They are the run and shoot offense, man. Uh, but they are dangerous. They're super dangerous, uh, and they have a lot of talent on that team. Uh, I don't. Could Oilers throw out? I could. <laughs> hey yeah that was that was prime that's high school for me man i was playing high school football when the run and shoot was uh yeah when the run and shoot was popular and everyone was doing it like i remember a uh, homewood flossmore ran the h or ran the uh the run and shoot offense and uh back in my day so that's that's just i'm showing my age there but uh kind of amazing because like if you look at a lot of the offensive sets now and um, high school and then like in, you know, major BCS college teams, they're all running variations that run and shoot now, you know, they'll throw yeah. those little option runs and stuff. But I mean, like, you know, it's the passing game is really all gone that direction. Yeah. Yeah. The West coast offense is kind of a version of what was the old run and yeah. shoot kind of. Yeah. So, yeah. but we don't want to get into football stuff. I mean, I'm not, I don't claim to be an expert on football. I've kind of drifted away from that, uh, that sport, uh, in the mid 2000s. So I'm not as up on it as I should be. I'm all hockey, man. I don't care about baseball. I'm not watching baseball at this point in time. I'm not watching football. I'm not watching basketball. I'm not watching MLS. I'm, I'm just watching hockey now. So I'm going to deliver a warning here. If the white Sox are as good as some people claim they can be, I may be, I may, I may get sucked back into baseball. I love the white Sox. So, so be yeah, well, the record isn't isn't as good as some people say it should be I know, either. I know, I know. Unfortunately, yeah, yeah. So I don't know. We'll see. Um, Ray, you got anything else that's on your mind as far as uh... just to echo what you said? It's good that hockey's on. Enjoy it. Um, you know, definitely had some good conversations today. And uh, for the Hawks, stay out of the penalty box. That would definitely be a my yeah. Advice. That's a that's going to be the probably the biggest thing because the. The Oilers, uh, <laughs> much like Toronto was the other day, um, they were just teeing off. Uh, that's what the Oilers are going to do to the Blackhawks. They are going to tee off. And uh, n- really, honestly, no one else can control Connor McDavid. You just hope that, you know, he doesn't get the chances. Right. And then that's all you can really hope for. So. Right title is so good, too. You know, it's, yeah. uh, it's a tall order. At least he's good in one end of the ice. <laughs> the other end of the ice, dry saddle, not so good. Yeah, right, right. In fact, I don't think he knows where that end of the ice is. <laughs> kind of like Alex Nylander. <laughs> Would you want to bring up the Alex Nylander thing we saw today? <laughs> we can talk about that for a second if you want. Yeah, sure. Why not? That the Athletic put out a thing where they were comparing um, Leon Dreisaitl, uh Patterson, Elias Patterson, yeah. and uh, Alex Nylander and how they could benefit in the playoffs. I couldn't throwing Alex Nylander in that group of players should be insulting to anybody. Who, go ahead. Huh? Go ahead. No, I say that should be insulting to anybody who can watch hockey with a trained eye. Like Alex Nylander in that group just doesn't fit. Well, the way I, it I compared it, uh, uh, a Lamborghini and a Ferrari and a Pontiac Fiero. That's basically what you're comparing right there. So, but the way uh, it was set up too, it was like, really like, come on. It was like, the guy said, what do uh, Leon Dreisaitl, Elias Pettersson and, and Alex, 
I'm still, I'm still tripping over Alex and William and Alex Nylander have in common. They're each three important offensive cogs in Western Conference teams. And I'm like, come on. <laughs> <laughs> they all play hockey. Yeah. I would have been a lot less uh, offended. Yeah. Three guys who have never been in my kitchen. That's the answer right there. Yeah. <laughs> Nailed it. But uh, I would have been a lot less offended and I could have understood it if they would have put Dominic Kubelik in there. You know, uh, made more they're sense. not of the same, they're, they're not in the same level, but you, it's very, Kubelik is going to be very important to what the Blackhawks are going to do. I could see that. Alex Nylander, by the time this thing's over, he could be playing the fourth line. And it's very likely he'll be playing fourth line. He could, be, um, he could have his ass stapled to the bench too by the time it's all over. I mean, I mean, despite what the Blackhawks marketing team was throwing out there in camp about how Alex Nylander, with no hitting in practice, was scoring, was setting up all these chances. He wasn't even really scoring goals. He was just feeding other teammates. He's uh, that that was a lot of lip service uh, for a player who yesterday was virtually invisible and. Uh, he probably is going to be virtually invisible for the entire series as well. Well, and I think that's going to be part of what Edmonton wants to do with guys like him is they're going to want to send a message early and often and, and just get him to quit, you know, and we'll see. I mean, that's the challenge. Yeah. So, well, that, that was a, a funny thing I had to kind of bring up, but um, I think I'm done with that. So I you want to wrap this shizzle up? all right cool um so uh with all that you know uh you know all the social media accounts uh at the rink shy at the rink official at the rink colorado columbus uh the rink cast i'm at puck and hostel uh ray is at hockey knapsack that's just a k at the end no not a ck john is at jekyll j-a-e-c-k-e-l uh we do have a the rink nwhl account out there if you want to go follow that if you're interested in the nwhl um, a few of our female staff members are going to get involved or at least Juliana and, uh, Chris and, uh, and, uh, Juliana, Chris and, uh, Marie are going to get involved. And then Lucas, uh, is also going to get involved, um, in the, the, the whole NWHL thing. We're not sure when that's going to really kick off, probably with the kickoff of the season, which today, uh, today or yesterday was announced was going to be pushed out a little bit. So uh, check that out. Um, I want to say shout out to uh, the Halubiak family. Uh, Mike Halubiak, we miss you, buddy. Um, John, we, I love you, buddy. You're a good friend of mine. So uh, we're, we're sorry what happened. Um, it's just very unfortunate. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, but I don't want to end on a, on a total down note. Uh, let's let's be happy and uh, hockey's back. And at least the people that we know seem to be happy and healthy right now. So. That's good. Um, if you get over to iTunes, rate and review us. Um, uh, we could use some more reviews on the podcast side. Uh, you could leave comments on the the uh, the Facebook Live side if you'd like. We'd appreciate that too. Um, I'm trying to get this out there on YouTube. If you watch us on YouTube, go over there, leave some comments, let us know what you think. I hope you're enjoying it at least. Uh, John, you got anything else you want to? Yeah, a couple of one announcement and one uh, one. Uh advertisement if you will um one of us we have uh hired a new writer uh to cover rockford um good call taking over for mario tirabasi um his name is andy campbell and he you can follow him on the twitters at at 
Andy Campbell, 16. Andy's a uh, former college hockey player. Um, he's, he lives on the East Coast, so he's kind of tuned into Hockey East as well as uh, you know, just understanding the game as well. And he's gonna he's gonna jump in and provide Rockford coverage for us. Uh, we are also getting um, our, our writing staff is just overall is is exploding. Um, we've got a lot of new writers coming on. We just uh, talked to somebody today who may be joining our our Colorado staff. Um, and what we are looking for right now is we're looking for um, Columbus Blue Jackets or uh, Lake Erie Monsters fans who'd like to get involved in our Columbus affiliate. Um, that's uh, there's some openings there to uh, to get going with that as well. So. Um, yeah, I mean it's um, it's it's exciting times at the rink now that Hawks uh, hockey starting back up. Um, but like I said, we've got needs for writers, and if you're if you if you're interested in getting involved in the Hawks, or if you're getting interested in getting involved in another NHL team or another league, the way we're structured, we have opportunities for everybody. Yeah, so, Toronto. I want to mention Toronto too. Chris Caruso has been yep. handling it by herself. Yep. So we could definitely use extra Toronto writers, yep. which would help get, help us get more Toronto content out there. Yep. Uh, you know, it, only one, one person can only do so much. So, right. um, but yeah, the NWHL, we have all that stuff going on. We're still going to be doing the wolves. Ron will be doing the wolves again. Uh, Sean Fitzgerald, uh, the Indy fuel. Uh, so we're, co- we're trying to cover it all. Marie Sexton. She actually, uh, she wor- works with the Colorado division, but she actually uh, handles the Colorado Eagles, the AHL affiliate. So you have that. Um, we're we're open to having beat writers for you know all those levels, ECHL or junior, just ju- overall junior writers. Ray handles some of that. Eric Andrews handles some of uh, you know the scouting reports and stuff like that. Maybe we'll even get. Uh, I doubt we're going to get him on a video call, but maybe we get the Wiz back on uh, to talk about some draft stuff after. Oh, we got to get Wiz all over. Yeah, we yeah, got to do a mock draft with Wiz. That's an annual I, thing now, and it's always fun, you know. I don't think there's any camera that can handle the Wiz, but <laughs> we may get him on it just on an audio. You know, he, he's a little bit behind the times, and, he and might, the whole inter- he might take the whole internet down with his intensity. So, <laughs> <laughs> the good old Wiz. So we, we, you know, hopefully a lot of good stuff coming on. We're probably going to have about a good eleven months worth of hockey because uh, after this is all over with. Uh, you know, with the Blackhawks and the Stanley Cup or whatever yeah. happens, they're wow. supposed to roll right into training camp and the draft or the draft free agency and then uh, training camp. And they're going to want to get started like around December 1st for the uh, regular season. And then that's going to be condensed season as well. Uh, they But they want to end around the same time next year. So you, you're looking at, you know, uh, a season, a full 82 game season and the playoffs and all that stuff from December until the end of June or middle, middle of June or whatever. That's a lot that's going to be going on. So we, you know, if you if you like to write about any team, uh, it doesn't just have to be the Blackhawks. Let us know. Email us podcast at the dash rink.com. Send it over, um, or or you could send it to write for w r i t e f o r at the dash rink.com. Send it over. Uh, we we you know we'll even take on more Chicago writers. We have a robust staff, but that doesn't mean that, uh, you know, we, we can't, we can't take more on. So, um, <clears throat> that's what we're looking for here. Uh, hopefully we're going to nail all these series. Cause it looks like all of our divisions are actually in, in this, uh, we, we don't have a Detroit division or anything like that. That's sitting at home right now. Uh, yeah, you got the CBJs, you got Toronto, you got Chicago and you got Colorado. They're all in. So 
keep coming back for uh for for our content um unfortunately there's no chicago steel even though their roster this year probably uh it would have been fun to cover yeah could beat probably detroit at this level <laughs> it would have been it would have been a fun run they, they were yeah. they were loaded they were yeah I mean, they broke records already and they were, weren't even done with the season and our boy ryan harvey hey ryan what happened to your Twitter account? Where'd it go? Yeah. We're looking for you, buddy. <laughs> yeah, that Maybe we could have Ryan on sometime. Ryan, call me, man. Call me. Yeah, absolutely. He's got my number. <laughs> yeah. He's a good dude, and I bet he's a very good conversation. Yeah. Oh, uh, he's a great guy. It, why don't, we, why don't we try to get Ryan on as a guest? I, absolutely. I, I mentioned it one time, and, he's, and he liked it. So yeah, uh, I think that. he'd be interested. So yeah. we should probably do that at some point in time. Uh, he has some very, uh, very interesting opinions as far as like prospects and stuff goes. And that's cool because yeah. you know, sometimes you got to think outside the box to yeah. make changes and, you know, make things, uh, you know, progress. So it's adapt or die. I love that. I, I forgot what movie that was, but uh, that uh, comment adapt or die. So <clears throat> uh, anyway, uh, I think we can wrap it up. Ray, you, you got anything else? Any shout outs? Anything else you want to bring up? Uh, FC hockey. Yeah, you mentioned it earlier. FC Hockey, we got a new website, uh, NHLEntryDraft.com. Uh, it's got a mock draft. It's got build your own rankings. Uh, definitely a lot of, you know, our rankings for the 2020 draft, you know, so definitely go in there, take a look at that, NHLEntryDraft.com. Awesome. Yep. I saw I saw that uh, the draft book that, uh, that they you guys put together, it's really good and comprehensive. It's a lot of information. So I, 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 Highly recommend if you're interested in draft prospects and stuff like that, go get, you know, uh, it's available on the website, right? Yeah. Yep. 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 Yeah. On the yeah I mean, you got to pay for it, but I mean, you want good work. You're going to have to pay for good work. Unfortunately, these guys, you know, yep. don't work for free, unfortunately. Yep. And uh, nor should they. So unlike us. <laughs> <laughs> so I think, I, I think that wraps it up, right, John? It does. And it's been a lovely experience. All right, cool. Well, um, I, the next time we, we get together, uh, we could be two or three games in uh, the the, the uh, opening play and could be over with. So we'll see. Maybe next week. And we'll have much to talk about. Yes, for sure. Yeah, it might be a much different tone. So, so. Anyway, okay, well, I guess that wraps up. So uh, thanks for taking time out of your busy schedule to download, listen, and support us. Until next video episode or audio episode, see you on the rink.